Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, we all know that one of the most important parts of talking to kids, or really talking to anybody who you might care about, is listening. Of course, with so many obligations, online notifications, overfilled schedules, and to-dos, listening these days can sometimes be a challenge. Still, it's listening that builds trust, it allows for mutual understanding, creates connection, and helps us to avoid miscommunication. Most people will tell you that there is no better conversation than the one that makes you feel like somebody really listened. Somebody saw your point. Somebody got you. And this is absolutely true for both adults and children. The right kind of listening can help our children divulge what's really going on in their minds and in their hearts right now and in the future. What is the secret to listening in a way that gets our children talking for that? we talk to our guest today. Bento Leal is a relationship skills trainer and best-selling author who has taught marriage and relationship skills classes and parenting skills classes to more than 2,500 couples and singles at family resource centers, community organizations, churches, substance abuse recovery programs, county jails, and federal prison throughout California. In 2017, he published his first book, Four Essential Keys to Effective Communication in Love, Life, Work, Anywhere. It continues to be an Amazon bestseller in several categories and has sold more than 50,000 copies to date. Welcome, Bento, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you, Robin. Great to be here. I'm so glad you're here. But before we launch into everything, for those who haven't had the opportunity to read your book or meet you or be part of your classes, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in communication and helping other people communicate more effectively? Well, thank you. Yeah, I, my wife and I were the parents now of three adult uh, kids. And back in 2005, I was working for a, a nonprofit organization here in Oakland, California area, and we had a federal grant to help serve inner city families. And part of that was relationship skills training. And my pre- the president of the organization at the time said, hey, Bento, there's this class going on in Sacramento. Go check it out and see if it's good for the people we serve. That was in 2005. And I went to this class with my wife and I went from being an observer to really being a student because what she was teaching was exactly what I needed. And I had such a profound experience learning the value of listening and speaking that I thought I knew, but I didn't really know to that extent. 
based on these skills that it got lit, me lit up. And then I, I turned around and was very happy to learn how to teach it and share it with others. So that really got me inspired was it helped me so much. And I've seen how it's helped others uh, past several years. Mm-hmm. Right, because of course, it, listening is very important. I, I think people intuitively know that when we listen, conversations go better. And yet people often have challenges in this area. I mean, we all want to have good conversations with our kids. The people who are listening in on this podcast are the most amazing parents, educators, coaches, because they do want this information. They want to effectively communicate with children. That's why they're listening. But that doesn't make it easy. So what are some of the biggest problems in interpersonal communication between people and and specifically with children? And how do we solve those problems? Well, I think one of the biggest problems, especially in parent-child communication, is if the child is talking about some problem or issue they have, being a well-intended parent, we want to, as quickly as we can, help them overcome it, remove the pain and anxiety. And so oftentimes, we're listening to fix or advise or to teach rather than simply listening to understand. And uh, Dr. Stephen Covey of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the seven habits he said, listen to uh, understand rather than to uh, be understood. And so that's, I think, the, the biggest thing. And when parents are thinking about the fix rather than listening in the moment, they're not really listening fully. And in many ways, they get it wrong. And so we want to be able to make sure the child feels heard and understood. And one of the key points of that is to share back the essence of what you heard. So you feel this or you would like that. I I hear you saying this. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of calibrates back to make sure that I got it right and the child feels understood. And if I didn't get it right, they'll correct me. Mm, so important, what? right? That's that's really important for them to feel like when they're speaking, somebody is getting what they're saying so that you're not on two different pages. And when we're constantly trying to fix something and they're telling us about bullying that's happening in school or a struggle right. they're having in class mm-hmm. and we're, oh, I'll just call the teacher or I'm going to call that kid's parent or here's what you should do, it actually is making them feel like you're not getting it, even though you're trying so hard to make it better for them. Right. And I think that that's the big point. If we can just pause our excitement to want to, to want to fix and, and, and help, if we can just, just be listening and quieting our own mind and make sure we understand completely, because oftentimes the child, they just want to be heard. And if they can just unpack what's on their mind and heart, a lot of times they'll come to their own solutions conclusions of what they need to do. They they can connect the dots. They just need a sounding board that's not going to give a lot of feedback and th- but just be able to listen. And then after they've been heard all the way through and you and you've shared back the essence of what you heard, uh, and you you might be able to say, I have some thoughts on that or what do you mm-hmm. think about this? Then it's okay. But don't jump in with that while uh, interrupt them while they're still trying to unpack what's on their mind. Right. Then they're just mad at you and they're frustrated with the circumstance. So that, that's not really right. helpful and, at all. Right. And and many times parents will say, gee, I don't know why my kids don't want to talk to me more often. Well, sometimes they feel not understood. They feel that if they say five words, they're going to get a, a lecture or some kind of paragraph coming back. And they haven't even been able to exhale what's on their mind. So a lot of times 
uh, teens or, or young people will tune out and the parent will feel, I'm just trying to help you. I don't mm -hmm. see the problem. You know, that kind of thing. I, I love that expression you just said. They're, they're trying to exhale the problem because they really are. They're holding in so much stress. They're yeah. holding in this, this thing and they've been waiting all day or perhaps weeks right. to tell you. And then they're in the right. middle of exhaling this story and we're, we're jumping in. Uh, thank you for that. You know, your, mm. your book, I feel like the main the main point of your book is is all about empathy. I mean, you talk mm -hmm. so much about empathy throughout yeah. your book. And that's something that we've become as as people on this podcast, how to talk to kids about anything. Like we've been talking about empathy uh, several times. In fact, we interviewed Michelle Borba about empathy mm -hmm. and and she believes it to be the missing ingredient in our communication and our connection with one another, solving bullying problems. Empathy, it turns out, is integral to your four keys of effective communication that mm -hmm. you discuss in your book. And I'd love for you to go over these and why specifically each key is important to communicating effectively. Yes, and I think, uh, and your audience may know this already through the podcast you've done, is that empathy is most people are familiar with the word sympathy, which means to feel for somebody. But a quick explanation of empathy is to feel with or feel into. So you really want to put yourself oftentimes in the other person's shoes, try to feel what they're feelings. You're really, you know, trying to get over to the other side. And so I felt that that was the, the main word that I wanted to have for each of my four keys. So the first one is what I call empathic awareness skill, which I think is the most important skill before listening and speaking and dialogue. And the reason is, Empathic awareness means aware of my own unique and special value as a human being, but also your unique and special value as a human being, how important that is. And I feel sometimes we put, we throw the baby out with the bathwater, that if the person is uh, has an issue or a problem or something we would disagree with, we forget how, how significant and how meaningful and valuable they are, and we make them into mm. a problem. And so... We throw, we throw them out as we would throw out a problem. So the empathic awareness is recognizing first the unique and special value of myself and the other person. And I think that creates an underlying sense of respect, even if it's a, a point of contention or argument. So I think that's the very first point. And then empathic listening means to listen to the other person from where they're coming from with their definition of their words. And I even say try to listen through the words to the underlying feelings that you sense from the speaker that maybe they haven't articulated in their words, but you can kind of, you know, go through the top of their iceberg and try to understand what they're, what they're talking about underneath in their heart and their, their, their uh, underlying feelings. And then ex I call empathic speaking is how can you speak in a way that the other, that expresses yourself honestly and authentically and at the same time doesn't impale the other person. Uh, Dr. Gottman, a famous marriage researcher, will say, starting with a harsh start, no wonder you'll the other person will throw up a roadblock or mm. some kind of barrier. But how can I speak myself in a way that respects you and gives has the greatest likelihood that you'll be open to hear and receive what I have to say, whether it's something uh, we agree about or something we, we have a strong uh, negative opinion about with each other. And then the fourth uh, key is how to put all of that together to create a dialogue of the pattern of taking turns so that I speak, you listen to me empathically all the way through without jumping in and, and interrupting me. 
then I listen to you all the way through. And I think if we go back and forth like that, respectfully, then we can talk about anything mm-hmm. and come to some kind of resolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I call them the four keys. And again, it starts with uh, empathic awareness of my value and your value. And I think then we're off to a good place. Mm-hmm. Agreed on that. When when talking about listening, when I'm, I'm presenting, you know, I, I talk about those different levels of listening. I appreciate you bringing those up that we can hear people in terms of their words. And that's, that's really mm-hmm. that first level. But as we know, as parents, as teachers, as coaches, sometimes words are, are deceiving. They're, they're not actually how the person feels at all. I mean, you know it in like the classic example, how are you? I'm fine. And then you're like, wait a second, that doesn't sound <laughs> fine. That doesn't feel fine, right? right? So like if you're just listening on that first level of just the words, then you're totally missing the, 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 the boat. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, there's that sort of second level of listening where we're getting into what might be behind the words and, and well, actually, you said that sort of harshly, so maybe you're not feeling fine and, and yeah. you, you, you're hearing the intonation and you're, you're kind of putting two and two together by, by sensing that person's energy. And then there's that third level of listening where you're using your real gut and your intuition to be able to say, okay, my gut is telling me that things are not fine. Um, and then you start to create a picture in your head of looking around and seeing people whispering and pointing and, oh, this person might mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable. And you're really you know, coming to a new conclusion about what's going on. So that mm-hmm. empathy is so important because you're not just doing that skill of listening. You really are putting yourself into that person's position and looking out their eyes and standing in their space and going, oh, from this person's perspective, they're not fine. And here's probably why they're not fine. And I've got to really listen in to to understand this better. And maybe I'm even contributing to the problem. Isn't that right? Right. I think you've got it. And uh, they've done studies where... Uh, UCLA did this. I think Penn State also did one in their psychology department where they discovered that greater than 50% of communication is largely nonverbal. It's mm-hmm. the body language. It's the tone of voice. It's the atmospherics. So I always tell people you might listen more through your eyes than, than through your ears. Mm. So pay attention to somebody and really beholding the whole person, you're listening with your whole self, then you're more likely to to get, as you just said there, beyond just the surface 15 or 20 words. You're getting underneath what's what's happening. And also, I think one thing that, that really comes across in such listening and intentionality, the listener really feels, it's they're really feeling loved and embraced by such care, by mm-hmm. such, so re- sincere empathic listening is really an act of love on your part. And it sounds counterintuitive because all I'm doing is listening. I'm not helping. I'm not speaking. I'm not advising. I'm not this or that. No, before we get to that, you're just showing that you really care and you really want to understand what they're saying and feeling. And and that approachability is a term I love, being the approachable parent, Mm. uh, where it's safe for me to come and talk to you because I know I'm going to be heard. I know that your your acceptance and your your embrace of me is going to be there. And I, I, I can feel comfortable to say what's on my mind without getting a lot of lecture or pushback or any other stuff. And I, I think being the approachable parent here is 
is really a key thing. Let's be frank, though. I mean, and I love the idea of being an appropriate, uh, an approachable parent and an approachable teacher. But let's be let's be frank. There are some scary topics mm. that are right now. Okay, there are some mm. scary topics, and we've gone over many of them on mm. this podcast, from porn to mm-hmm. technology and bullying and and drugs and alcohol and. And it can be very scary for yeah. an adult. And in, so, you know, in talking about what we really need to be doing when we're when we're listening, and I think you've gone over it, like listening to understand and making sure that that your child feels valued. But given that there are some tough topics, it's very easy, I would think, for a parent to not just to respond by trying to fix, but like respond in anger okay or in Mm. frustration or in just complete shock when they Mm. find their child is doing something they didn't expect or Mm -hmm. is is even wanting to know more about something that they're the parent is going wait a second i don't even know that i'm ready for this so let's put ourselves in that position Mm -hmm. child comes to us and mentions that they're either doing something that is counter to the parent's value. They want more information about something they've heard about that scares the parent or the parent even catches them doing something that they Mm -hmm. go, wait, that this is scary to me. Instead of blurting out in anger, what is it that that you would recommend in that situation? And it, given that it's a real world situation, and yeah. of course we can't be Pollyanna-ish, but I think I just go, right. oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> right. Like, what do we do? Right. Well, that gets to empathic speaking. Then, how do I express myself as the parent? And one of the uh, very popular uh, tools out there is something called the XYZ message or the XYZ statement, which is. When you do this, then I'm concerned it's going to do that, and I f- and I feel this for you. Mm-hmm. Versus, what the heck are you doing? You know, the more impaling, finger pointing, blameful way that people might talk. If the if the parent, for example, let's just say we're talking about uh, too much uh, video game playing, mm-hmm. even made an agreement not to do it or not not to spend ten hours a day, etc., which is a big big it's issue a now. Huge issue video- right now. Yes, something I didn't deal with when I was a kid, but. But now, of course, uh, kids these days have that is instead of berating and and pushing down the child, let's say we're talking about a, a 12 or 13 year old, then we might use more of when you the, the XYZ message is when you play video games for four hours a day, which is the X, then I'm concerned that you're not able to get enough of your studies done or even get out and get some fresh air, which is the Y. And then my feelings as a parent is, and I feel very frustrated, very concerned for you about that. So that's, so it's not, it's not avoiding the issue, but it's, it's a way to start the conversation where I'm expressing my concerns without finger pointing and putting down the other person. Now there's, we'll have to have a long conversation on that. We may come to problem solving about when, uh, okay, you want to play the games. I'm concerned as a parent that you also have balance in your life. Let's come to some agreement about how this can happen. That becomes a problem-solving discussion. But if I just blurt out and I might say, you know, even, hey, you idiot, what's wrong with you? And I use some, you know, inflammatory words, cuss words or whatever. That's not good. They're not going to be open to hear that. They're going to shut down. They're going to put up a wall. Nobody wants to get stung. And then we're going to say, well, you're not listening to me. Well, why would I want to listen to you? You're throwing arrows at me. Mm. So uh, how can I express myself in an authentic way 
that uh, allows for the person to know my feelings, but does doesn't put them in a in a backpedaling position where they feel they gotta defend themselves with a brick wall, retaliate mm. mm. with hostile words coming back. So this is it's a touchy area, you know. It is real world, like you say. It's not just academic uh, stuff, but how ca- how can I express my concern as a parent? Uh, with an I statement versus an accusatory you statement. I think that's probably, I think, the better way to go. Right. And and there must be some pre-work <laughs> that you need to do right in that moment when before you open your mouth. Yeah, that's right. Right. The, you talk about in your book, you know, needing to quiet your mind. Yes. <laughs> In that moment, when your mind is probably screaming, just imagining, I've had many people come to me and say, my child asked me about sex, and I just changed the subject and said, who wants ice cream? Um, (laughs) You know, that feeling of just panic when somebody, you know, when your child is asking you a question, and and feeling like you need to, to quiet your mind. And even before you're expressing your feelings, you need to be able to listen to what they're saying. Exactly openly so what's your advice to to parents and educators who are in that situation who have feel like they have that knee-jerk reaction what can sort of stop them and be able to open their mind and quiet their mind what's the exercise to even do that well i the good good question and i think uh of course, this hasn't only happened once. I've been dealing with this child for many years or weeks or whatever on various things. So I, I kind of know, I know in context. It's not like I just saw that child today in my life. You know, right. there's, a, there's a history. But if I can go back and say, well, when, when has blurted out in anger helped me in the past with the conversation? I'm probably going to come to a quick realization <laughs> that really hasn't worked out very well. If I can just put, hit the pause button for a minute or even a second and make sure that I'm I'm low amperage so that I'm not going to say something emotionally that my brain will catch up later and say, boy, that was a dumb thing to say. Uh, and then now the fire is already, now I got to put the fire out. If I can just pause button for a moment and then uh, express myself more thoughtfully, then I'll be able to um, be heard better. And, and also there's another piece, which is, no, I feel a thousand degrees as a parent on this. I don't want to water it down and feel 200 degrees. That's not authentic to how I feel. If I calm down, they're not going to get the full intentionality. Mm. I won't be I won't be expressing myself the way I honestly feel. Mm. Okay, but if you come with a flamethrower, don't be surprised that they put up a wall because nobody wants to get burned. Mm. If you want to be heard, you can say what you want to say, you know, in a in a very thoughtful way. There won't be a wall, and it'll get to it'll get to where you want. So that it's kind of like, if I use a flamethrower, then you're gonna put up flame retardant. If I use a bazooka, well, you're gonna put up, you're not gonna get what you want by getting hotter and hotter. Uh, if you wanna be understood, you're gonna have to tone it down, keep it down, and then they won't get so reactive either. It's easy to say, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's like a muscle that we have to, empathy is, I think is a, it's a skill. I think we have the innate capacity to develop it. But it's kind of like a muscle that we need to exercise. It's, it doesn't just jump into perfect perfect usage just out of, automatically. we got to work on it a step at a time. 
I think uh, empathy, not only in the, in the troubled conversations, but if your child says, hey, I really had a great experience at school today. Wow, sounds like you had a wonderful time. Tell me more about it. So empathy means I'm, I'm putting myself in my child's shoes, not only when it's a hot issue, but at any time mm. uh, of some emotional or, or meaningful topic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, I love what you're saying here. And I'm latching on to the flamethrower and and let's say mm. because it could happen and i think it has <laughs> i certainly in my life let's say you threw the flamethrower <laughs> yeah and now you realize you're listening to this podcast and you go oh yes <laughs> did that did it this morning did it last yeah. night it yeah. shut things down yeah. it didn't work i messed up okay which we are fully to, uh, we embrace all people who mess up. I mess up, you mess up, we all mess up. And yeah. we're we're totally good with that. On this podcast, we are so excited about the apology. I mean, the apology is, yes. we mess up as parents constantly. Our kids mess up. An apology is terrific. And I, we've talked about like the need for apologies before. Um, and I know that you talk about it in your book as well. You you actually mentioned that there was this woman who was really yeah. feeling frustrated about her son, wouldn't talk to her. Um, and she was like thinking about these skills and, and actually did something different, which uh, gave her a different result, starting with an apology. And you talk about yeah. an apology as a door opener. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and how an apology can open the door to communication, especially between a parent and a child? Because I don't know. I think apologies, I like to do them, but a lot of... A lot of people come from the feeling that they don't need to apologize to their to to a child. So, what's your thought? Well, I, yeah, I think a lot of people feel that I'm I'm losing my position as the authority figure if I come down to apologize. Right. And that 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 makes me more equal if I apologize or even subordinate to my child, and I'm supposed to be the leader and, and over them. I think some people come with that perspective, yes, and I, some and, do. I and unfortunately, that can prevent them from feeling that I should apologize. At the same time, if they put themselves, when we're talking about the word empathy, and put themselves in the child's shoes and realize, hmm, maybe I said something too harshly. Maybe if I, even though I wanted to get my point across, maybe I didn't do it very well. Maybe I, 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 I hollered, I cussed at them, I, I didn't, I was too angry in the moment, and I said something I shouldn't have. Then. It's okay to knock on the door and say, hey, can we talk for a second? Um, this is maybe after it's over, let's say the following day or an hour later or whatever, and, and you've had a chance to calm down as the parent. Hey, I'd like to talk with you. You know, we had that conversation. I don't think I handled it very well. Mm-hmm. And I apologize if I hurt you with what I said. And it's important not to follow that up with a but. And the meaning, but if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have flown off the handle like that. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to. We don't want to erase the apology with a but <laughs> that just basically says, "Well, the reason I blew up like that was you." Um, no, I was in the wrong. I was in the wrong, and I shouldn't have talked to you like that. I'd, I, if you're open, I'd like to have that conversation again. And again, I, I, I was wrong to do that. It was wrong for me to talk to you like that. Mm-hmm. I want to understand what's going on on your side, and please tell me how you feel, and then be open to hear what they say. And I, and again, the person you cite. Uh, this this woman was wondering why her son wouldn't talk to her, and she was trying to be helpful. and And the bottom line was, uh, once she attended the class, she said, uh, 
boy, I realize I, I've been blurting out at him and I probably didn't listen very well. And she apologized and he felt sincerity there and he started to open up and she was listening. Main thing is she was listening instead of defending herself. And once you get that going, you get some free flow of communication. And I think apology can be a great, uh, you know, door opener and it can be a great healer in many respects. And like you're right, we all make mistakes. We're not perfect here. Even we, we may be an expert in our field. So what? You know, I'm a human being. I make mistakes. But um, apology is profoundly valuable mm -hmm. uh, to admit you're human and I'm here to make a new start. And I find that in most cases, uh, people are willing to accept that and make a new start. They may check you out in the beginning to see if you're going to be, <laughs> if you're not going to blow it again. So it may, they may test you. But uh, and that's when you got to hold fast to your apology and just try to do it better. I feel like I feel like the apology shows that you're human, but then also acknowledges that that they are right. That yes. they are they're important. You're not lesser than me. You're yes. you, you you deserve to be heard, and you deserve to have somebody um, care about what you're saying. So um, even if you don't agree with what they're saying, you still need to, to be open to listening to their point of view so that you can understand them. Um, and that apology might not be, I, I apologize and that therefore I agree with what you're saying or what you're right. doing. It's right. I apologize for hurting you, like you were saying, yes. and that I wasn't listening to what you had to say. And even if we do disagree that this can be respectful. So um, I appreciate what you're saying there. And and I do like hearing those kinds of scripts because for us on this podcast, scripts are are really mm -hmm. important. I, the, the, the things that I hear the most from people who listen in, and we've got such great loyal listeners, is that you know, they're in these situations or they know they're going to be in this situation and they just want to know what to say that, yes, the tips are really important and to mm -hmm. have the voices of, of all you, you know, all the experts in their heads is really helpful. But mm. when it comes down to it, they've got to know what to say. So yeah. I liked in, in your book, you talk about the three A's, applaud, admire, yeah. appreciate and how they work. And this is this is counter to one of my biggest pet peeves, which is when we say good job to to kids. And um, I was talking to Alfie Cohn, who also uh, said the mm. same thing. Good job. He's, he can't stand it. We had a conversation about that on the podcast. Good job. Mm. Good job. Because it, it's like it, it means very little. It lacks the gusto, gusto to, right. to be applied to any other areas in a child's life. Um, it's so general. It's forgettable. So tell us about applaud, admire, and appreciate, and provide us with just a few examples on on how it might sound for a parent or an educator to say it to a child. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think uh, applaud, admire, appreciate. This like really watering your relationship garden with your child. I love that that analogy. Mm -hmm. But it's not just global, and then you put a period on like great job, or I really you know. You know, uh, I really appreciate you. Well, for what? Right. And the, the more specific you could be, the better. So applaud, apply, uh, applaud, admire, appreciate, and put the why on it. So <clears throat> if your child has done something really exceptional in school or something you're really grateful for, hey, uh, Mary, I just want to, I really want to congratulate you and applaud you for that particular school assignment that you did. It was really remarkable, and, and it's obvious because of the teacher's response. So I know you work really hard on that. Congratulations. That's 
that's even more meaningful than, honey, I just want to congratulate you for being a great student, mm -hmm. which is nice, but it doesn't really uh, sp speak to a specific point. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think the more you can uh, be specific about what you appreciate, my wife my wife knows these skills very well. I'll tell her, honey, honey, I really appreciate you. And she'll look at me and say, because. <laughs> you know, she yes. knows I'm supposed to say the why. And so we laugh and I do tell her the why. And uh, But that's, uh, yeah, the, the why really brings it home. It really shows that not only do you appreciate and value them globally, but you're noticing the little thing here and there. It might be something that they didn't even know you noticed. You might, it might be something that's a chore that needs to be done and everybody's got their chores in the house and maybe your son's job is to take uh, the garbage out uh, to the trash when the trash can gets built up in the house. Okay, so even though that's his job and he's doing it, maybe a, a few days later you just want to say, hey, Bill, Billy, I just want you to know, even though it's your regular routine, I just really appreciate how you grab hold of that and just do it without me even and dad asking and um, thank you so much for doing I just wanted to let you know I'm paying attention. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Then that that ensures the person that even though they're taking it out, um, you're getting it. Mm -hmm. You're appreciating it. And that just lifts up um, my relationship with my child and their feeling of, of joy and bringing joy to me and, and that. So I think applaud them where you can, admire them, appreciate them. Again, I, the analogy I love is just watering your relationship garden, and each child is its own garden. They're not all the same. As you, as you know, I got three kids, and the water for this one is different for the water than that. Of that mm, mm, how true how, that is! And how each one blooms in their own way. And 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 uh, well, you look at yourself as a couple, and you say, "Wow, we got three very different human beings mm -hmm. here." But mm -hmm. uh, how precious they are! Yeah. So it just keeps it keeps that precious lens on the on the on the parent, I'm not only looking for what you might be doing wrong, but I'm always on the lookout for what you're doing right. And I want to see that and validate that. So. I think that's a really terrific point. And uh, we talk about in in my world, as I, I create a curriculum for after school programs and, and for school programs called Powerful Words, and mm. it helps uh, it helps the teachers, it helps parents to mm. talk to the kids about a different different aspects of their character, whether it's respect or open-mindedness mm -hmm. or discipline. And one of the things that I love along those lines is, is something I call character connecting. So mm -hmm. that we can, instead of saying, hey, good job on that A, you're, you're connecting your admiration, your, your praise, what you're seeing to something that's foundational in that person, the strength in that mm. person. Mm. So, you know, one thing that I really appreciate you is how determined you are. You, oh, you yes. had everything yes. coming at you from so many different directions. You had it, you were so overscheduled, you had so many things, but you really pulled through that determination to, mm -hmm. to really do well on, on that exam or to uh, do, you know, really study those lines for your play or whatever it is mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. really came through. And I, admire that but just to be able to connect it with who that person is yeah instead yeah. of just simply what they've done can make yeah. an enormous difference you are a determined person that person can yeah. take that you know because they were so determined to study the lines of their play or help a friend yeah. or whatever it is and they go you know what i'm a determined person so then i can apply this to something else like 
You know, it's it's just such an important aspect yeah. of, of helping your child see their strengths, which for me is so important. There are things that tear our children down and and make them feel inferior out there. And to, to take the time as an educator or a coach or a teacher and connect their efforts and connect their outcomes to who they are and, and what their their strengths are. What a what a great thing. So I do appreciate the applaud, admire, I think that's appreciate. Wonderful. I think that's wonderful. You know, you're not just appreciating or applauding the result, as you say, because that that's very transitory. That paper is already done. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're uh, commending them on their determination, that's a character trait that will last the rest of their exactly. life in all circumstances. So yes. I think it's very very insightful to uh, not just look at the the project in the moment, but the person underneath all yes. that that's, that's striving forward. That really lifts up, and that shows you really paid attention to that. That's yes. Beautiful. Yes, I think it's great. And it's so important for kids to be able to then see them, those strengths through your eyes and adopt them as their own. Um, so character connecting, that's like just something that uh, is so important to me as somebody that I, uh, that, that creates this curriculum. I, mm. I love that. I, I think yep. that, it, and it's just something I talk about often, but it, it made me recognize in your book that area. Cause I said, yes, that's exactly where I am. <laughs> uh, that's perfect. So, you know, it's so funny. Uh, you had mentioned that when you were talking to your wife, that when you say, I, I really appreciate you. And that she said, uh, because <laughs> my, my kids do that with uh, apologies. Like when, I, <laughs> when they say, Okay, I, what do you need to? What are you going to say to your sister about that? And he says, um, "I'm sorry." And she says, four. Important <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs> to put that Y on there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great. Give us your top tip. What do you want us to come away with after listening to this podcast about effective communication? Well, I think uh, listen to understand. Listen to make sure you get it right. Listen all the way through. Quiet your mind from what you might be thinking to solve or fix. Just really listen uh, and make sure you get that right. Uh, I think it's, uh, another point would be value your child for who they are instead of uh, who you wish they were or could or you know, wish they were. And then you can really just appreciate them for who they are and just value them. I think that will come across. Uh, and then the final thing is uh, be careful not to blurt out in anger because you might build something up there that's going to be hard to tear down. And and uh, if you've made a mistake, and then apologize. But I think those three things, listen to understand, value your child for who they are, and be careful not to blurt out in anger on, on some topic. I think that will go a long way. Mm, agreed. Agreed. Thank you for that. Give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you, your book, and the great work you're doing? Well, I think if you go to my website, bentoleal, B-E-N-T-O-L-E-A-L.com, you'll be able to see a little bit about myself and about my book. And there's a tab there. You click on that. It'll take you right to the book at Amazon. And uh, that's pretty much uh, the best way. I have a Facebook page, Bento Leal. You can get me there. Uh, but both, mostly, um, yeah, just go to my website. I'm very inspired about the book. It's taken off like wildfire. <laughs> it continues to do great, and it must hit a nerve. So mm-hmm. I know 
People are very interested in communication, for sure. That's for sure. We do want to be able to speak to the people we care about and certainly with our children. So thank you so much for coming on today and and talking to us about effective communication. I I really liked what you said about apologies, about making sure to, to really water the garden of our relationship with our children and mm. and really seeing them as as people who deserve our attention they deserve to be listened to they deserve our empathy and that by doing so we actually will create a a better relationship that will establish good communication skills now and also keep them and maintain them and have them grow for the future so thank you so very much thank you robin great time Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook, go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I am also on Instagram at drrobinsilverman. And if you love this podcast, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people will learn more about the solutions that Bento has talked about today and be able to use them in their own homes. All of these reviews on iTunes, they really help get exposure to the podcast so that more people who are in your very shoes or in different situations but could really use these strategies can find it and use it as well. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well along with the memes that I create that are all related to great things that Bento said throughout the podcast. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. I know you probably heard something today and you said, whoops, I just messed up. I messed up last night. I messed up last week. It's okay. We can do this again. Every day is a new day to start over. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.